Hello, Sophie here with a quick announcement. Over the festive period, we have some changes to our usual podcasting schedule. We'll be releasing a special 2023 roundup episode on Wednesday the 27th of December, where we'll be inviting you to reflect on and celebrate 2023 with some journal prompts. Our next episode will be released on the 2nd of January, which is a Tuesday, where we'll be setting goals and intentions for the year ahead. I highly recommend tuning in for these episodes as it's so fun and positive way to start the year. It's something that I do every year and it is a game changer, especially during the more miserable months of the year if you live here in the UK. Anyway, thank you for listening. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Be calm and clear on those sorts of things and actually but decide beforehand, no, I, you know, my mum always says this to me and it really undermines my confidence. Well, make sure that you tell her because I bet you've never had that conversation. And so I think that is one of the key things in the family situation. Welcome to Unquestionable with your hosts Charles Perry Phillips and Sophie Green where each week we dive into real and raw conversations with experts, creators, thought leaders and CEOs. With our guests we'll be exploring some of the unquestionable truths behind psychology, mental health and relationships to gain a deeper understanding of human nature. So let's get into today's episode. Well thank you for joining us on this extravaganza of a it's a Christmas special episode of the podcast and we're very lucky to have you with us i wanted to start by asking like for those uninitiated in what you do oh what what is it you exactly do i might have never asked you this obviously we know each other quite well what's your (laughs) what's your job title my job title depends Mm. who i'm talking to (laughs) (laughs) you're talking to me oh yeah that's a good point charles well you know what i do um uh so i am a chartered organizational psychologist. But the thing is with organizational psychology, we work across quite a few fields. So it often throws people a little bit because they're like, well, does that mean you only work in businesses? Well, no. Does that mean you only work on decision-making? No. So it's sort of everything from well-being through to performance and across different industries from sport through to business. Um, and then with different types of people from creatives through to leaders. So it's quite broad. So, yeah, it's really broad. Um, and the problem is I really like doing broad stuff, but then when you're actually asked to narrow it down, I'm like, well, I don't want to stop doing that mm. because I like that bit. Um, and then, as, as you know, I've written a couple of books as well, and I have a podcast, which you help Giles I do and it's a very good podcast and everyone should go and listen to it it's called Dr. Duff and Duck. Sophie Sophie and Giles you've both been guests yeah. on it thank yeah, you yeah. very much oh, no, well, thank, you. <laughs> no, thank you <laughs> so I mean one of the things we want to talk to you today about um, is is conflict and I don't know if this is something that you deal with much within your work um, I guess when you're working with organizations and stuff and, and business people I can imagine it comes up a lot on a personal level Christmas is a very difficult time for some people because they're you're we're thrown into going into family situations where not as necessarily all the time we get on with our families. But I was just wondering from your experience, um, are there ways of kind of dealing with conflict? Yeah, I mean it's really complex and I think anywhere that you have people you have conflict. It's like it's just the way it exists. And family politics seem to be more dramatic often than any other because they're so emotional and because you don't 
get to choose who you're with. And mm. then things like Christmas, you're suddenly in this really confined space with the same people expected to, to be happy and all sort of on best form, which which is really stressful for, for a lot of people. And I know that I'm not a clinical psychologist, but I know that um, Christmas is one of those times when it can trigger uh, psychiatric conditions. Mm. So people who are vulnerable for all sorts of things, for things like bipolar, schizophrenia, but through to things like addiction, and you can see how because it's stressful. Um, and so how to deal with it? Uh, well, how long we got? Um, <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think there are loads of different ways of looking at it. I think one thing that I always come back to when it comes to families is that if we're with parents, even if they're elderly parents and we're grown up, we can very quickly revert to being how we were as a child. And that means that we will let our parents make fun of us for something we don't want them to, or we let them tell us how we should be sort of parenting our children or all those sorts of things. I think it's really important to be calm and clear on those sorts of things and actually but decide beforehand, no, I, you know, my mum always says this to me and it really undermines my confidence. Well, make sure that you tell her because mm. I bet you've never had that conversation. And so I think that is one of the key things in the family situation. There's trying not to put too much pressure on yourself, which is easier said than done, because once you start drinking and throw everyone into the mix, everyone's like, ooh. Mm. Um, I think try and create some boundaries for yourself. So think beforehand. Again, a lot of things when it's stress-related and when it's in the moment, we're not very good at dealing with stuff because we can't, because we're suddenly stressed and emotional. Think ahead of time. What are the things that are going to be problematic and how can you deal with those? And so plan for them and think through what that could look like. And if that means having conversations ahead of time, have conversations ahead of time. But it's it's very much as soon as you're in the middle of something and you're in conflict or you're in a stressful or emotive situation, any rational thinking goes way out the window. So you kind of being able to think it through beforehand can be really really helpful Mm, wow there's so much there actually that to unpick and I really want to go back and go through each of the things that you said one by one so you started off by talking about communication and having conversations you know if something gets brought up you know if, if it happened in the workplace for example you would probably communicate and have that sort of conflict resolution but when it happens with a parent or a sibling or a loved one it's it's a lot harder, isn't it, to communicate concisely and calmly and put your emotions on the back burner. Do you have any kind of strategies for how people can have those conversations? I mean, would you suggest having conversations with people on Christmas Day in the moment or is is no. it important to have it the, those conversations before or even after something's come up that's upset you? Yeah, and I think that's great. All those questions are great. And I think before and after... If something happens, try and resolve it rapidly after, but not necessarily on the day. Sometimes just let things go as much as you can on the day. Think, I'm going to come back to that, but don't leave it ages and then come back to it because then people are like, what? They couldn't even remember what happened. It mm. was two months ago or whatever. <laughs> um, so thinking it through and, and having the conversation before and after is a really good strategy. Uh, the other thing, I mean, when... I'm helping people make people redundant, which is a horrible, horrible thing to do. Um, 
it's really interesting because over the years I've seen how people will do it and people hate doing it. Of course they do, unless they're completely self-obsessed and it's sort of like, mm. um, and the, so the tendency is to take it, get so wrapped up in your own emotions that you don't deliver the news in a way that's actually helpful to that other person. And actually what you're trying to do in that moment is make things as okay as possible for that other person. Mm. So one thing people will do is just not talk to them. So they'll sort of like see them in the office and they're like, I'm not going to talk to them because I know I've got to make them redundant. And and then when they do it, they're sort of like really, you know, won't look them in the eye and they'll, that that's obviously not helpful. Um, but the other thing people often do is they start apologizing, which is also not helpful. It's not helpful in a work environment and it's the same in any, but they'll start going, I'm really sorry, this isn't what I want. I mean, I think you're great. I think you're a brilliant performer. And that's not helpful to the mm. person either because then they're sitting there thinking, well, why why are you making me redundant? Mm. Mm. And so the thing that I always say is, right, tell them the facts and then tell them how you feel about it. Mm. So you say, I if, if we're using the workplace example, and I know that's not what we're specifically talking about, but it's the sort of front of mind one for me, it'd be, we have to make cuts of X percentage. We don't have um, a need for your particular skill set anymore. Um, and then you go to, so you, you go through all that and then you say, I'm really sad about this because I think you're fantastic. I'll support you in any way I can in helping you find something else. These are your strengths. These are the things that you can bring somewhere else. But if you start muddling things up, the other person's all confused. It's like, well, mm. what's going on? Mm. So it, the same in the home environment. It's a case of saying, try and separate your emotions. So say, when you said this, this is the impact it had, or this is what I observed, or something factual rather than something felt. So when you said this to our child, I saw them look really sad, and then they went off to their room. I know you didn't mean to do that. Mm how this made me feel well it made me feel really stressed because then I'm worried about child I'm worried about you and then it's separating it out from what you can as factual and then what you can as emotional and how it actually feels for you and it's but again it's one of these things it's very easy to say it's quite difficult to do but if you can it's it's suddenly you're like oh because it just changes the conversation completely Mm. Yeah, I I had a um I had a coach once who I was telling them about something that someone had said to me and she was like, "Oh, what did you say? Did you stick up for yourself?" And I was kind of like, "No, no, you know, it's easier just to not say anything with that person, you know, save having a big argument." And she was like, "Well, what would you say if you heard that person talking about your best friend like that?" would you defend your best friend? And I was sort of like, well, yeah, obviously, of course, like stand up for that person and tell them how it feels and blah, blah, blah. But for some reason, I think when it's ourselves, often people that don't like confrontation will not stand up for themselves in the same way that they would stand up for like a friend, for example. It is really, yeah. it is really hard, isn't it? It is really hard. And there, I mean, there are three things we do as well. We either move towards something, so we move into conflict and we'll sort of like front up to it. We'll remove ourselves or we can do this thing where we're almost trying to do both things at once. So we kind of, you know, in mm. and out, in and out. 
but it that all that stuff is really deeply ingrained in who we are as individuals and like Sophie we've talked before about you know when you were growing up and you were the observer so that is your the role that you feel safest in and mm. that's the role that you go into um it's like remove go away but which is is fine but not if it means that the same thing's going to happen again and again and again and so it's you know if I would actually say on Christmas Day sometimes <laughs> that's a good way of behaving and it's like it's it's a sticky plaster approach but actually for Christmas Day it's kind of like just getting through the day or getting through mm. the holidays but over the longer term it's no what what do you need what yeah. what are your needs here yeah. and how do you make sure they're met yeah, I was interested when you said about um, we fall back into sort of psychological patterns with regards to like with parents, for example, or siblings, it could be where we allow um, like some people might call it banter, but where you feel like, you know, that maybe someone's taking the piss or they're not supported of, of you in some way and how those patterns occur again and again. What, what's going on there psychologically? Why Why do we why do we allow those things to continue because i think a lot of time if you speak to someone they'll be like that i don't like that pattern of behavior in myself but why do we allow that to continue so um researchers currently think and this this figure may change but that 95 percent of our cognitive activity so what's going on in our brain is unconscious um so we only have five percent that's conscious and during that five percent we're probably thinking about oh, I've got to take the potatoes out of the oven, or what, did I wrap that present? And you're thinking about all those things. You're not thinking about, well, my brother John used to talk to me like this when I was a teenager. It's So there's that, but there's also the fact that because it was so natural for us growing up, it became so much part of the way things work. We never actually sit back and question it and reflect on it. We might do afterwards and think, he always talks to me like that. I don't like it. But we allow it to happen because it's the way it's always happened. And it's it's almost like it's habitual. It's it's brain patterns that are just built up over time. And the only way to break that is to actually take a step back to reflect on it and to make a conscious decision over how you're going to do that. Mm. But it, but to Sophie's point, it might be better before or after Christmas mm. rather than mm. on Christmas Day. I'm fed up here talking to me like <laughs> Yeah, it's like an episode of EastEnders or something. Yeah. Also, yeah. I just like to say, um, my brother is called John, and that wasn't about him. <laughs> that wasn't okay, like a, that wasn't a sneaky, you know, <laughs> like hypothetically. You no, know, my brother talks to me very nicely. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know you had a brother. No, exa- so exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> just wanted to say, just in case he was listening and thought, oh, I, so- I see what Sophie's doing. <laughs> but I suppose in some ways, these external conflicts then become internal conflicts because then you'll kind oh, yeah. of end up ruminating on them and stuff like that, and you know, miss opportunities you might say oh, I wish I'd said that and all that kind of stuff yeah definitely and I think we we have like the internal turmoil we create for ourselves why not we create for ourselves that's not fair because it's not like we want to do it is it we no. don't want to sit there ruminating and digging ourselves into a hole but it it's something that all these things often just don't get addressed and then they do cause us grief in some to some degree throughout our life. And I don't mean grief as in bereavement type grief, but as in I have to I have to caveat everything I say now I'm living in the States because I don't know if they understand what I mean. <laughs> so apologies. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah there's a <laughs> few like this even if they have no clue what mm. you're talking about yeah so yeah. i'm having to explain things like when i say go to the loo and they go you don't know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> There's a few words as well, isn't it? That's very questionable in America. You've got to be careful yeah, about. You do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that's. I mean, that might be a good segue into talking about grief, though, <laughs> if you're if you're willing to. Because I mean, Christmas yeah, is a definitely. tricky. It's a tricky time, um, particularly if you've had grief, suffered from grief. Loss is a lot more poignant, I think, around the holidays, especially when it's family related, or you know even worse people might lose someone over christmas um and yeah i I feel like navigating that can be a really tricky time like first christmases without a loved one or um you know or losing someone over christmas even losing a pet or a breakup or whatever it might be and have you got any sort of ways of coping with managing that sort of grief factor over the holidays particularly um and and you know you kind of touched on it earlier about how christmas is supposed to be a happy time but sometimes there is that pressure to feel happy when you might not you just might not feel happy you know um but yeah it feels like there's that pressure sorry so i mean i think i think that's absolutely the first thing is let yourself feel what you want to feel um if you feel sad that's okay it's, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but what happens is you feel sad and then you feel annoyed with yourself because you're feeling sad and or you start worrying because you think I shouldn't be feeling sad. It's not fair on anyone else. Mm. If you feel sad, that's okay. If you try and fight feeling sad, it's going to last a lot longer and cause more issues. Um, I mean, personally, I so my dad died 10 years ago. His birthday is the 1st of December. And so is, it's my oh, 17-year-old. Um, also and so I always remember him then and then when it comes to Christmas just like anyone who's lost parents Giles I know you've lost both your parents it's it's something you do think about and I think it's in some ways I think it's it's important to think about them and I think it's important to be grateful for the times you had with them and I think to think it through like that if you can because otherwise it can become something that's problematic um, so I have a friend who's, she had a horrible time with her leading up to her dad's death. And he died, I think he died on Christmas Eve. And she just cannot enjoy Christmas at all. And, mm. I, you know, it's no criticism. I probably couldn't either. But if you hold on to it really, really tightly, whether that's believing you shouldn't feel something or, or you, you know, I must let this go, or you start trying to force yourself into feeling certain things, that's when it becomes more problematic than when you say, I'm going to celebrate. Actually, you know, they're not here, but they would love to see the family how they are. They would love to see what I've achieved in life or they'd, they'd love to see like where we live or what the garden looks like or and have a little bit of time just to think about them and to be sad. If you need to be sad, be sad. Mm, yeah, it's so true. And I feel like not just with, not just with Christmas, but with, you know, New Year's or birthdays or whatever it might be, once you let go of that expectation of it having to be an amazing day or evening or whatever it is, actually, it usually ends up going a lot, a lot better. Because I decided a few years back that New Year's Eve, I was just going to ignore its existence. I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to stay at home and do a jigsaw puzzle <laughs> or something. You know, just have a totally low-key New Year's Eve now from now on. And then once I gave up that, 
you know, expectation of having this like amazing night where I'm out at a party with friends and blah, blah, blah. Actually, my New Year's became so much happier and more fun because I just treated it like any other day and it ended up being more exciting. And the same with Christmas, you know, I think if you it doesn't have to look like a traditional Christmas where you get together with family and you're all full of smiles with a Christmas tree and a roast dinner and lots of presents. It might just be that you get together with some friends or have a takeaway with your loved ones or whatever that might look like. And I feel like for me, at least, that's definitely helped is just dropping that narrative of it being a really, really amazing, spectacular day. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I'm with you on the New Year thing. I did the same because I always ended up miserable New Year. Mm. And so I was like, mm, have a cup of tea, watch some telly, maybe go to bed early. And then you're suddenly like, oh, I want to stay up till midnight. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it becomes more fun. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. It's definite. And I think, I think it is really treasuring the things that do matter. So, it, yeah, it sounds corny when you say it, but actually thinking about it, what is it about? It's about being with people you care about, reconnecting with people you care about, even if you're somewhere else. So so if I think you'll probably be away for Christmas. Mm, and yeah. I know I've done Christmas on my own before because I was traveling and I wanted to see what it was like. Um, but it you can still reconnect with everyone and it's a, it's a day to go, hey, I can say hello to everyone and just think about the friendships I have and the relationships I appreciate. And so it's really focusing in on the things that are, low effort low stress but really bring you your you sort of they nourish your soul almost mm, yeah definitely I, I'm going to be doing that this year because I will be away I'll be in Costa Rica and um I never ever we're not a big FaceTimer in our family we don't really like FaceTime or Skype or anything I think the only time we've ever done that is during Christmas if we're not all together so <laughs> it will be a good excuse to FaceTime family mm. and stuff like that and yeah it'll be nice I think me and my friend are just gonna have a barbecue on the beach or something and just have a super Big chill fun. non-Christmas Christmas <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah there's definitely yeah. something to be said for doing that and actually like you say breaking tradition sometimes because we're so fixed on what we should do and not yeah. what we want to do yeah, and I think that's that's so right, Charles. It's like it's the should, mm. isn't it? That word is just bad. If we're doing things because we should, mm. it's like oh, immediately we should be quest- should be questioning. Yeah, we should be questioning. <laughs> we want should. to be. We want yeah. to be questioning it. Yeah, and <laughs> I think that would be a good. Now might be a good time to talk about um, the financial aspect of Christmas as well, because mm. I think that causes a lot of strain and issues in families, particularly at the moment. And that again, there's this expectation that you have to, you know, buy lots and lots of presents, especially if you've got young children and it has to be this big materialistic day. But again, like it doesn't have to be anything really financially. I mean, I know people that sort of donate something to charity on behalf of all of their loved ones or give people vouchers, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I think it's also important to remember financially, it doesn't have to be this like super spendy time of year. Yeah, and I think that's massively important at the moment. To like, so for like you, mm. you're saying, and I think it, it, that's where you can set expectations mm. with other people, including kids. You can say, look, you know, everything's a bit hard. Everyone in the UK is finding things a bit hard at the moment, actually globally, mm. because of this. And sort of like have a little bit of an explain, and then just say, so we'll still be having fun, we'll still be having presents, but it might not be the great big presents. Mm. And if they know that, they don't get to Christmas Day and open presents and go, oh, 
Mm. Is that all I got? I mean, they might do because they're kids, but you know. <laughs> and but then I think the other thing is that there are different ways of doing it. Like you say, so there's there's vouchers, there's giving to charity. They're saying like, as a family, let's pick a name out of a hat, mm. and we just only buy for the person we pick, and and we set a maximum amount, and then. It again, it takes the pressure off. And I think even if you are one of the wealthier ones in the family, don't then think you can go and buy loads of presents for everyone else because that just makes them feel really guilty. Yeah. So you might be feeling like you're doing a nice thing, but actually it's like try and think about ways where it's equitable Mm. um, and it allows everyone to feel like they're in the same position. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I hadn't thought of that about actually having a bit of money a bit of cash to spend for and buying presents for people might then make them feel like they kind mm. of have to reciprocate that to the same amount of money and then it just puts all this unnecessary pressure on people and, and I guess like in some ways you could do instead of tangible presents maybe experiences and that again that doesn't mean spending lots and lots of money on holidays or things like that but you know you could organize a fairly thrifty experience like we've done this haven't we in the past where we've had like a fake Christmas we've just watched films and played games and like stuff like that and that's completely free almost so Mm. yeah there's I think there's ways around it for sure yeah definitely it's about being creative yeah creative (laughs) we should be able to come up with something (laughs) for the three of us yeah now Fiona um moving on from what we've been talking about let's talk a little bit about your your amazing app that you've been doing um Oka life and mentoring and obviously like this afternoon you've been mentoring us a little bit here yeah <laughs> teaching us our, teaching teaching <laughs> us the right ways to do things but mm-hmm. yeah tell us a bit about the app and and how it works and what what men- mentoring so, means to it, you as well yeah i mean the thing that i've always been frustrated with in my career is that i'm working with in effect the elite mm. and the whole reason i did psychology was to try and help people and they are people (laughs) and it has a knock-on impact but wasn't necessarily reaching who I wanted it to and the more I looked into things like uh, social learning emotional learning and it there it's giving basically mentoring gives anyone the skills to be able to support someone else to grow to believe in themselves to, to to flourish and then if you put some psychological frameworks underneath that, it can actually superpower it. And so that's the point of the platform is we match people based on psychological factors and need, which means that there's a much quicker bond. There's a bit of chemistry there, like platonic chemistry where people just get on. And then that allows people to have a really fulfilling relationship where they're supported or supporting someone else um, to explore what they want to do in life through to performing at peak Mm. performance you know it it can mean different things to different people but really it comes back to people helping people Mm. Um, and then so what I see the platform as doing is I've been told off about saying it like this by people but I don't care it's helping people to help people (laughs) Um, (laughs) why were you told off a mouthful yeah why were you told off for saying that Oh, a long, long story. A couple of people who are uh, more corporate didn't think it was the right way of framing things, but it's it's what I'm doing it for, so mm. it, it is the way I frame it. And um, we, we're actually we're 
we're changing slightly at the moment because we're going to be doing it as a white label, which means anyone like a charity can pick it up and put their own logo on and put their own materials on there, mm. as well as all the psychological materials that are on there. Um, and then we're doing it very much focused at women and women going through life transitions or making decisions and having another female to mentor them and a male ally to support them. So, mm. for example, within the workplace, a woman may have a miscarriage, come back to work. Male colleague really wants to be supportive, doesn't quite know what to say. Mm. Their solution might be, I just won't say anything. And then that person feels more and more isolated. And so you have someone who's a mentor who's been through something similar, who's like, this is what it could mean now. This is what could mean to your career. This is what could mean to your personal life. And then you have a man who might be a colleague, a boss, might be someone in your home life who's given the guidance on how best to support you. Um, and the aim of that being obviously gender equality is quite a big thing. Mm. Um, but it, that looks very different. So you, you take it in a developing world situation and it's about minimising violence against females, um, minimising, you know, allowing women to make choices about fertility. Then you go through to privileged workplace and it's more about well how do I get back into work how do I get back into the rhythm of work and mm. and feel like I'm fulfilling my potential still but it's still oh it might not be because even people who are very uber ambitious you have something major happen like that and you do start rethinking things and thinking well where where do my priorities lie now and what do I want that to look like and it's just very hard to talk it through with people you have everyday conversations with, not because you don't trust them, but it's often because you don't have the space for that because mm. they'll be talking about what's happening to them and what's happened when, what are we doing next week and what's the plan? And whereas when you have a space that is for that purely for that conversation and for you, it just allows you to, um, to, to really explore and get underneath things and feel supported in doing that. Yeah, this is amazing. This is so huge and it could change workplaces all over the world, I think. And I'm a huge advocate of having coaches and mentors um, and pe yeah, people supporting people. I think it's so, so important. And especially as a sort of freelancer or a business woman or a businessman, when you're out there in the world, um, on your, it feels like you're on your own. Having somebody that yeah. kind of supports you and mentors you and helps you along the way is so crucial. Honestly, I mean, I've had coaches and mentors and people my whole career, and it is invaluable. It honestly, it pays dividends tenfold when you get the experience and decision making skills and conflict resolution skills as we've talked about and everything that comes you know comes with that so 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 important so if I was going to go onto the app and find a mentor as a sort of female artist slash entrepreneur what so how would that sort of work who would you link me up with what sort of person talk me through the sort of stages and what would happen yeah good question so you go on and you do a personality we called it a quiz because psychometric sounds a bit onerous um and you look at your values and then you look at your needs so for example solopreneur entrepreneur is a big need actually for women mm. because a lot of women choose to for whatever reason do something in that ilk and then you can feel very lonely yeah and so it might be that <clears throat> you're specifically looking for an entrepreneur 
to support you, or it might be specifically an artist, or it may even be both of those things. So the need is taken into account as mm. well. Um, and then we have a little biographical section that's a bit like on LinkedIn. So people can write up, I'm looking for someone who can support me in this, which will also help just get the right match. Mm. Um, then you get a list and that list is based on the one that's the optimum matches at the top. But there's, if you're on the overall platform, the OCA platform, it'll be people globally. So you might choose someone you want in your location. You might know who you want to be on there with and go through the journey with. So you can type a name and just find that person and put mm. them in. Then you can connect with them to make to do sessions, which goes through the app. Um, you do the sessions offline, so it might be over Zoom or something like that. But we're we're going to have the APIs to come in, sorry, that connect into those things soon. You can take notes, you can share your notes, you create a development plan, which is all based on psychological factors, which are going to help you be more likely to achieve whatever the goals are you want to achieve. And then we've got um, a resources section, which helps people with, oh, I should say, actually, when you go through the sessions, if you're a mentor or a mentee, there's also guidance. So each session, it's like, well, the first one, it's like, don't put too much expectation on it. It just get to know one another, set, you know, agree confidentialities. And then it helps, you know, you can ignore that. But if you want to, you've got that guidance there. Mm. And then on top of that, there's the resources. So you can go into the resources to be like, this isn't working. What do I do? Um, or I don't understand what I'm supposed to do with this personality output that I've got. Or um, how can I help this person? Because we just don't seem to be able to pin down any goals. So there's those sorts of questions that are all explored in there as well. Mm. Awesome. That's really cool. And then you start your, so you start your sessions and I'm assuming that as you go through life, your career, you, would you have sort of like weekly or monthly sessions or is it up to the, you know, the two people? It's up, again, it's a bit like we give guidance, but we don't say you, you should do it like Mm. this, Mm. back to the should word. It's like, (laughs) you could do it like this. Um, and some people want to stick to those because they want something to hold on to. Mm. Other people would be like, oh, I've done this so many times mm. before. It's not the way I do it. Um, but what, I think what you're coming to, Sophie, and I jumped in, but is over time it, you, you're you going to need different mentors, different people to guide you. And you're actually building up your tool set for you. Mm. Right. So with, for example, the, the goals section where we've broken it down into how we would with a senior leader in terms of development points that go under that, you take notes against those and you can go back to it. So you store it as a, as a goal that you've completed, but two years later you might think, I haven't given a talk for two years, I had to give this really big talk. What was it that really helped last time? Mm. So you go back and you have a look. So it becomes one place where you have all these things that help you basically Mm, yeah and I suppose in turn you're also um, broadening your network as well because then you're sort of meeting people that are in a similar industry to you or maybe that those few steps ahead of you in your industry or in your niche and then you've got that uh, network of people that you can kind of call upon in the future if you've got specific question or some help needed or something like that yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm very keen on making but the communities a bit like, I don't know if you use Slack, there's no reason you should have done because it's quite a 
worky thing, mm. right, as a corporate thing. Yeah. But it's saying to people, well, what communities do you want to be a member of? And over the longer term, I want to be able to have like a masterclass type thing. So Sophie, you might do a masterclass on wildlife um, artists. That's not the word, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it's being a brilliant, amazing wildlife artist. <laughs> and you might do a masterclass on that for other artists who are sort of like, mm. I really wow you know that's how she got there that's what she does mm. um and then there's other people within that community who will say yeah i'm i'm i tried that that didn't work but i tried this and that did work and mm. just i think having and i i mean i would also like people in those communities to meet up in person but i'm thinking a long way out here mm. so in the short term it's more about yeah it's sort of connecting with people you may not have come across otherwise but who are very relevant to your life and your career. Mm. Yeah, I think the key word there is community, isn't it? Um, and I, I used the word mm. network, which was actually in hindsight quite worky. <laughs> but community is feels a lot more wholesome. Um, so yeah, I would encourage, if you know, if people for their New Year's resolutions or New Year's intentions or something, one of, if you know, if your intention is to get a coach or a mentor or somebody that can help you with your business, then definitely check out the app. Um, I was going to say as well that kind of it's a bit of a full circle moment because talking about community it kind of links in with Christmas again <laughs> and <laughs> you know what a great what a, well, what an important time of year it is to have community and and mm. there are a lot of lonely people in the world and relatives that maybe don't have people and how important it is to check in on people and yeah reach out and make sure everyone's okay over the festive period. Totally, totally agree with you. And I think, you know, you can feel lonely when you're around a lot of people as well. So it's mm. thinking about which friends maybe are going to find it a little bit more stressful and just sending them a message to say, hope you're doing okay. Know that today might be a bit tough for you. Um, but loneliness is, is it's heartbreaking because we're just not meant to be, not meant to no. be alone. No. Not the way we're made. Yeah, it is a killer, isn't it? Loneliness. Um uh, medically as well so yeah um but happy christmas happy christmas everybody. <laughs> happy christmas. <laughs> that's a great yeah. great um so ochre oak is it ochre life or ochre did i just make that up ochre life yeah it's it's the website is ochre.life at the moment we're people people can put their name down on a wait list and then when we when we sort of live launch it we will or communicate with them they don't mm. have to then sign up but it means that they'll be on the on the list if if it's something they want to consider and part of the reason for that is to make sure we've got uh enough people mm. to make it uh, viable for someone to connect with someone like yeah. them right yeah exactly. but i think sophie what you said a few steps ahead is i, I keep thinking maybe i th keep thinking those words exactly and i keep thinking there must be somewhere I need to use that in the app because it is, it's literally like, it's a few steps ahead. It's someone who's a few steps ahead. Right. And then we, we do have stuff on uh, role modeling that's going in there as well, because um, my second book is on role modeling and how much it impacts the way we learn. But the role modeling piece can be through someone you don't know. So a masterclass, for mm. example, so if you yeah. were to run a masterclass and there were like 200 people on it, mm. then you don't have to then go and sit and mentor 200 people, they, right. but they can still see 
what did that look like and how do I get there? Yeah, I love it. And and I guess you can also, you can find a mentor, but you can also be a mentor. So you could do both. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's like yeah, a bit like a staircase of people, right? Absolutely. And I think, I mean, the thing I, is, I find it really interesting because people will say, well, why would anyone want to mentor? And I'm like, why wouldn't anyone want to mentor? And I I think it's just a really curious question. And maybe that's because I'm, I mean, I'm talking to you guys and I think we're all very pro-kindness and pro-sociality and giving, but it's so fulfilling. It's mm. like, it, it's more fulfilling than anything you can put a number on. Mm. So it it literally is that there are, there are people who are more cynical about it. And I'm like, well, you don't need to go on the app. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have people who actually know the value of mm. like helping other people. I think, yeah, I think if you've ever been in a position where you can mentor someone, even if it's for a short period of time, it is very fulfilling, like you say. And um, I think it helps you grow as a person as well. Just it does person. help you grow and also we've got all the tools around that as well so how do you mentor to the best of your ability which mm. helps you understand how to connect more effectively how to help people think about themselves which is just good for your own emotional intelligence apart mm. from anything else yeah and I mean anybody that's you know got to a certain stage in their career will know that they it's impossible impossible to get anywhere without being helped up by others and supported by others and so it's a bit of a cycle, really, isn't it? I feel it's a cycle. people do, yeah, they, they will know that they'll get to a point in their career and they'll want to share their mm. knowledge and help others because they know how vital it is to get people up the ladder in order to the ma- uh, to make a difference in the world. Yeah, and it, there's, what's interesting about that, there's, I can't remember the exact term now, which is probably a good thing because it doesn't matter. But <laughs> there's, uh, there's, a lot of psychological evidence which shows that as we get older, we want to give back more. Mm, um, just generative motivation, I think. Anyway, <laughs> but it's interesting because then you look at an aging workforce and workforces are trying to keep people within, you know, not leave and not just sort of retire early. Mm. It's like, well, it gives those people something to feel fulfilled about and to feel like I've learned all this stuff, I can give it back now. So it just, I don't know, it just feels win-win, but it mm. is fighting against a lot of societal norms, which are more capitalist and cynical, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. And on that note, happy Christmas again. And on that note, happy Christmas. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, Fiona, thank you so much. Thank you for all your brilliant um, insights and advice around conflicts um, over Christmas. I'm sure there'll be lots of people listening who might be a bit worried about this time of year. And actually, hopefully, there's some tools there that they can use going forward. And obviously, everyone should go and get on the wait list for OCA as well. So OCA.life, um, go and sign up now because it's an amazing thing. So thank you so much. Mm, thank you. Thank you, lovely people. Thanks, great yeah. speaking to you. Thank you for listening to Unquestionable. We'd love to hear from you on social media by searching for Unquestionable Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.